Welcome everyone to the Sunday recap. We're back. We What's up? be back. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome in everyone. Hey, this is Chris McLaughlin here with Ariel Eldridge and Mitch Green. We are back after a two week hiatus from the Sunday recap podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, I was on vacation. So it was like an impromptu we there. hiatus. It was. Yeah. Look, the fact of the matter is. Just we it. can't do this thing without Chris. <laughs> <laughs> and and a lot's happened in the past two weeks. Yeah. As the world knows, I mean, some of you know, I had COVID. Oh! Right. Wah, wah. Wah, wah. I know, so bad. And so I came back from camp with two weeks of literally can't do anything. Yeah. And so that put a damper on it. Yeah. And... Here we are now. Here there we was are. there was never a plan to not have a podcast. There wasn't. Yeah. It just happened. Yeah. I got yeah. some interesting text messages from people. I believe so. One like, hey, where's the podcast? Yep. <laughs> it's yeah. Wednesday morning. What's going on? And Chris probably said, <laughs> I don't know. Where, <laughs> where is it? <laughs> and Ariel and I were like, no. we can't do this yeah. right now. Yeah. <laughs> Um, no, I, I went on vacation, uh, which was great. Uh, Eric and I spent a couple days away, uh, just ourselves, which was nice. And then we went down to Florida with our whole family. So we were gone for it a looks while. Fun. Yeah. You kind of have a tan. I do. I actually tanned up and didn't just peel like I normally That's do. Amazing. I know. Right. You feel um, like a, your California self. Uh, a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's kind of nice. Yeah. But, but yeah, we were out in the sun every day, going to the pool, um, things That's like great. that. The, now, I will say this. This was the cool thing about this place that we went to. They had a a legit trapeze there. Trapeze? Yeah, like like going to the circus, swinging around on the flying trapeze oh. type of a thing, okay? So they had um, like six circus performers that were there that taught you That's how to do trapeze. That's actually pretty cool. Yeah, so uh, Eric and I both did it. We went up, <clears throat> and it's like 25 feet in the air. And you got to, you know, you kind of lean out, you reach out for the thing and they hold you by this like safety harness. You're on a safety harness, but you got to reach out, grab the trapeze. And then the first trick they have you do is you got to like hook your legs around the bar and let go with your hands. So you're swinging on the trapeze. Oh, no. Yeah, yeah. No, uh -uh. So you're doing my that. hands are sweating. Just you talking about I know, right? it. But then Sierra did it and Sierra, uh, so she's my 13 year old and she has like 10 years of gymnastics yeah, she training. She was very good at it. Right. So they like became best friends with her, all the trapeze artists. And they're like, okay, you're going to do this and you're going to do this. And so they had her doing all these like pullover things and flying That's through cool. and flips off the thing. I mean, oh man, was, she's gonna remember that forever. Yeah, it was ridiculous. That's cool. So, That's <laughs> so, so cool. Super fun. We had a fun time, but we're excited to be back, and we're excited. Actually, I'm excited to get back to the podcast. I've missed. I missed you guys. Oh, we missed you. <laughs> and this has been a really good series. I'm kind of sad that we haven't had a lot of time to talk about it because it's yeah, so good. It's been really good. It has been really good. Well, today we're going to dig into Gods and Kings. This is the third sermon in the series, First um, Kings 19. Before we do get into that, though, let's talk about August 8th. August 8th, Celebration Sunday. Yeah. That's what it is. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. Okay, so August 8th, we are celebrating all that God's done this summer. Um, yeah. In service on Sunday morning. Um, sometimes we do kind of like our own little celebrations in pockets. So like we'll do a celebration for students and all God's done, or we'll do a celebration in kids for all that God's done. And right. we wanted to really celebrate with our entire congregation. Mm. Um, and so that's kind of what was the birthplace of this idea to say, let's take a Sunday morning and let's not just move into the fall but let's stop and let's thank God for what he's done all summer. So yeah, yeah. Um, we're going to you know, share some details about what God did through middle school camp, through our high school camp, through VBS, 
Um, we've got, you know, students, uh, kids being baptized right. that Sunday morning. Um, and they just keep coming in. So that's going to be super exciting. I mean, yeah. we've got like, like eight, I think eight or nine right now oh, awesome. sign up to be baptized. That's um, so, cool. so it's going to, it's just going to be a morning where we kind of pause before we turn to fall and we celebrate what God's done. Yeah. Um, and then I think we're also going to kind of give a little bit of vision for where we're going this fall yeah. and kind of announce, you know, some of the different opportunities where people have to be involved in discipleship through classes or right. through groups and all these things. So it's right. going to be kind of a turning point for us, but I think it's going to be an awesome morning. One more detail that yeah. I think that's what you're about to ask well, me. Well, no, I do want to just yeah. really quick before you get to that. Um, I, I'm excited to hear about, um, or, or for our congregation to hear about where we're going this fall. I feel like yeah. we've, we've kind of gone through COVID and we did a lot of communication and vision casting through COVID about how to get through this. But now it seems like we're coming out of that now. And so taking that next step, I think is going to be really mm -hmm. important. So anyway. yeah. One more thing. We're going to have food. Oh, yes. Yes. So we've got like 600 breakfast items coming from McDonald's. So oh, the goal wow. is like in between service for people just to mingle, celebrate what God's done. A good time to bring a friend or family. Um, our hope is that people will be able to kind of walk around the church that haven't seen it before. And so, yeah. again, if you're listening to this, it's going to be a really good Sunday to have people there. You'll yeah. get a little bit of vision about our church, but you also get to kind of celebrate with the families of our church all that God's done all summer. Yeah, so totally. it's going to be so a fun it's a morning. Great opportunity to invite some friends. Yep. Neighbors, August 8th. Get there. Yeah. Yes. Well, let's go ahead and jump into 1 Kings 19. I don't know about you guys, but I remember when I was mm -hmm. first introduced to Christianity, this was one of the first stories that um, maybe I heard a sermon on or something like that, or it's, they taught this at camp or something like that. And just this idea that how God, um, I know the, the idea that God spoke to Elijah in that gentle voice in that mm -hmm. in that whisper uh, was the thing that they were kind of focusing on. And I, I don't know, that, that was something that just always sort of stuck with me. Um, uh, just knowing that God isn't always in the, in the, uh, the big loud noises, <laughs> the, mm -hmm. the, the, the big things that are going on, but that he is um, much, the way that he interacts with us is, is different than that in a lot of ways. Yeah. A lot of times is. Well, this is interesting because it's a contrast to where the way he's been portrayed before is like an appeal of thunder or yeah. a pillar of smoke or fire, right. you know? And so right. just to come in a whisper, it's, it's showing his character even more. It's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. And I really appreciated how Scott dug into that and in, in talking about how God is really meeting Elijah where he's at, you mm -hmm. know, um, Elijah's in this place of despondency. He's dealing with, uh, some frustration. He's afraid. He's running, right? And God provides for all of his needs. And I was like, "Wow, that is that is such a neat uh, picture of of mm -hmm. how God interacts with us in not only being very sensitive to where we are um, and the things that we're dealing with and struggling with, but also meeting us meeting us right where we are um, and providing for us in that in that moment." Mm -hmm. So we're, I want to get to all of that. Um, I, I thought what we might do here is maybe. Because the passage is, it's the whole chapter, chapter 19, but mm -hmm. let's go ahead and read the passage. I'd love to just read it again and, and all that. Would one of you guys want to read that? Okay. Okay. This is like a book, <laughs> but it's a good book. It is a, it is, a good it, book. It is a book. It, it, it is a book. <laughs> yeah, it's a portion of a book, but the portion is almost the length of the book. You can take all that out later. <laughs> okay, First okay, Kings chapter 19. Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, 
So may the gods do to me and more also, if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by this time tomorrow. And then he was afraid, and he arose and ran for his life and came to Beersheba, where, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a broom tree. And he asked that he might die, saying, It is enough now, O Lord, take away my life, for I am no better than my father's. And he lay down and slept under a broom tree. And behold, an angel touched him and said to him, Arise and eat. And he looked, and behold, there was at his head a cake baked on hot stones and a jar of water. And he ate and drank and lay down again. And the angel of the Lord came again a second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, for the journey is too great for you. And he arose and ate and drank and went in the strength of that food forty days and forty nights to Horeb, the mount of God. There he came to a cave and lodged in it. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, and he said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? He said, I've been very jealous for the Lord, the Lord God of hosts, for the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. And I, even I only, am left, and they seek my life to take it away. And he said, Go out and stand on the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind tore the mountains and broke in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, the sound of a low whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood in the entrance of the cave. And behold, there came a voice to him and said, What are you doing here, Elijah? He said, I've been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. And I, even I only, am left, and they seek my life to take it away. And the Lord said to him, Go, return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus, and when you arrive, you shall anoint Hazael to be king over Syria. And Jehu, the son of Nimshi, you shall anoint to be king over Israel. And Elisha, the son of Shaphat, and Abel-Meholah, you shall anoint... <laughs> Good work. Be, thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> you shall anoint to be the prophet in your place. And the one who escapes from the sword of Hazel shall Jehu put to death. And the one who escapes from the sword of Jehu shall Elisha put to death. Yet I will leave 7,000 in Israel, all the knees that have not bowed to Baal, and every mouth that has not kissed him. Awesome. Thank you, Ariel. All right. So <laughs> um, that was a long section, but thank you. So good. For reading the whole thing. So and many words. Well done on the names, by the way. <laughs> I know. If we knew which one of those buttons instantly hit the applause, oh, it needed yeah. to happen well, after each I of mean, those names. Know, right? Shout out to Kyle Worley. I've learned my lesson listening to him. That oh. You always take your time on the names of, of right. people and places. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Well, you know, one of the things that I, I, I totally agree with, with um, how Scott kind of unpacked this was that there is a key issue that is going on here in the heart of Elijah. And I mean, because, you know, he talked about that tension, right? The tension between when we are kind of living this life of faith and trusting mm -hmm. in God and all this sort of stuff. And then all of a sudden it just kind of like you have this moment of like, I'm not trusting God. I'm, I'm, I'm leaning in my, on my own strength and I'm, I'm, I'm the one that's doing it and stuff like that. Um, and that is kind of the key thing that's going on here. Cause he is, uh, Elijah is in this moment where he seems to really be trusting in his own strength. 
What are some of the clues that we have of that from this passage that's showing us Elijah is is not really trusting in the Lord through this? He's in a cave. He's running. He's running, yeah. 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 Yeah, where before he, you know, he went up against, like in chapter 18, he went up against the prophets of Baal. Well, right? I mean, he was then, even making jokes in that. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? He was being yeah. kind of sassy. Yeah, total confidence. Uh-huh. Yeah. And now, you know, and Jezebel he, comes up and is like, I'm going to kill you. And he's like, yikes. And he takes yeah. off like, you know. And to me, I think that's the most obvious, the, the transition in his posture, <laughs> you know, from the first event, mm-hmm. which seems to have a great magnitude right. versus the second event. And now he's kind of coward, coward, you know, and I I think that's, I don't know. I just really resonated with that. Mm -hmm. You know, I've never really thought about that combination in the story this way, but I was like, there have been seasons in my life where I can, I can experience God and his presence and feel like he's moving in really, really big ways Mm -hmm. through really hard things that might even take hard conversations or hard steps. And then something that may seem very small is the thing that wrecks me, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, yeah. like right afterwards. Yeah. And I was like, I've never thought about this story in that way. But I was like, yeah, I've, I get that. Oh, like absolutely. I've experienced that. Yeah. Like sometimes even things that on paper don't seem as big yeah. can wreck me when big things, it's like you, you just go through them with total confidence. I go through that sort of stuff even in times of ministry. Like when mm-hmm. I was, when I was starting out in ministry, the first job that I had, I was a student director for like mm-hmm. a high school ministry at a church in mm-hmm. California. And when I was doing that, um, you know, we would have our youth group on Wednesday nights, Wednesday nights. I, you know, I would plan, I would write my message. We'd do games, all that sort of stuff. And everything would go great, but maybe like, maybe there was a certain kid that I was praying for <laughs> yeah. that didn't, that wasn't there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it would wreck me. I'd be like, yeah. why were they not here? Like, what is going on? You know? And, 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 you know, all the other kids that were there, they, they were all being ministered to, cared for. They had a great time. It was, it was awesome. But I was just focused on that one little thing. <clears throat> and, and I would say too, one of the things that Scott mentioned, it made me think of all this because he mentioned that, that, what may be happening here as because he says in verse three that he left his servant there that that's Scott mentioned that he's thinking about just leaving giving up, giving up yeah. the whole thing and I don't know how many Wednesday nights I felt that way mm-hmm. like after after youth group I'm like oh yeah. my gosh I'm done with this mm-hmm. you know because of that one little thing mm-hmm. um, so yeah yeah no I I just think I think in ministry we all live that but mm-hmm. I think again I think all. All people live that, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes it's, it's the, you know, you can deal with something really, really tough at work, but you come home and one of your kids is just not eating dinner, <laughs> you know, right. and, and that's, what's going to drive you into the wall, mm-hmm. you know, and it's, it's not always the magnitude of the situation. It's just sometimes things hit us. And, and I think Scott really kind of hits the nail on the head that the issue is often, even though, you know, God is the one that's got providing and working in our lives through all these things, both big and small. It's like when we get to the small thing and we can't manage it, it's now actually we've maybe trusted in ourselves too much, right. <laughs> you yeah. know, like, and it's more obvious in the one-on-one situation yeah. than it is when, you know, you're, you're yeah. in this big battle. And I think we see that in Elijah here because, you know, twice he says to God, when, when, when God says, what are you doing here? He says, I've been jealous for the Lord yeah. and I've done all of this and da, 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 da. And there is the, there really is a sense of arrogance in the way mm-hmm. that he's approaching this, yeah. um, this idea that he really has a, a an expectation of how God is going to respond, how God should handle all of this, you mm-hmm. know, and God's not doing it that way. And and so, I mean, that ends up being ultimately that issue, the, the, the heart issue at the core of, of that frustration is 
you know, Elijah's wanting to be God, essentially, you know, right. he's, he's want, he's wanting God to do it the way that he wants to do it. Yeah. Um, I loved Scott's, or I, I, I loved is the wrong word. I resonated with Scott's story about that and how like Woody, uh, really counseled him through that and, and things like, that. I'm like, yep, that's, that's, that's totally it. Like I can, I can see myself so much in mm. those moments when I'm like, God, why aren't you doing that? Why aren't you playing things out the way that I wanted to, mm-hmm. you know? And yeah, God's just like, he's going to do it his way. Mitch, you said something about like trusting in our own power, I guess, is mm-hmm. kind of one of the fallen ways that we cope with that. Perhaps we were leaning too far that way. And I think also sometimes we just think that things are going to be smooth. And when they're not, we mm-hmm. get all flustered. You're like, I thought this was, I know if I follow you, God, it's going to be um, very smooth and I'll be able to just walk this out and it'll be all lined up for me. And um, mm-hmm. oftentimes he uses these really hard things for us yeah. so that he can sanctify us. Yeah. I think, I think one of the things to recognize here is if there's a theological underpinning to all of this, there, there's, this, there's this understanding that God does have a plan, mm-hmm. right? That, that God is working things out according to that plan. And that in understanding that this plan is being worked out, um, sometimes we... We, we like know that, but we don't like to live like we do. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So like we, we, we think that the plan should be the way that we want it to. And so essentially what we're doing is we're, we're, we're acknowledging cognitively, yes, God, you have a plan, but our heart is saying, I don't really want to follow that plan, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. And that's, that's a scary thing. Like when we're yeah. really thinking about what we're doing there, we're actually, by having a heart like that, we are rebelling against the plan mm-hmm. of God. Sure. You know, um, and I think that should just drive us. I mean, I know for me, it, dri- it drives me to repentance mm-hmm. at that point. Yeah, and as Scott said too, I think it reminds it reminds us of our limitations. You know, mm-hmm. both physically, you know, mentally, and even like our our capacity, <laughs> you know, to carry yeah. out these things. I think that's where I find myself often is like my you know, God may move in something really big, or I may be really trusting in God in something. And then this other thing comes along, but it's like, I'm so physically drained or so beaten up by other things that I think I can still kind of muster my way through it. Right. But the reality is that it's like in those moments, I need to rely on God even greater than maybe I did in whatever trial was before. But that's not, that's not what my, ten- I want to just kind of coast through the way I did the time before. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and it's just a reminder that your capacity is so much less than you think it is. Yeah. One of the things that I thought was so refreshing to hear um, was Scott made this statement that even Christians can get depressed and even Christians can be suicidal. Mm -hmm. Um, This is something that I think he um, really drove a stake in the heart of one of the key problems that we see in the American church in a lot of ways. And this is this idea of just being fake, (laughs) if that Mm -hmm. makes sense, Mm -hmm. that that we think that when we come to church, we have to put on some sort of a facade that everything is good, that everything's okay. When in fact, what the church really should be is, you know, the church is not, it's not a place for the righteous to come together and celebrate how righteous and holy they are. That the church is actually a place for the broken to come together and to celebrate the redemption that they've received in Christ, you know? So, so there's a dramatic difference there. I would say, what is it that about the church as a whole, do, and do we even see this in our church? Uh, what is it about the church that sort of perpetuates this idea? Is it, mm-hmm. is it something systemically that's happening within the church body or is it like 
something just with our fallen nature or what, what, what is it? How do we get to this place and how can we get out of that? I've definitely seen it in every church I've been in. Yeah. I think that time management is a huge factor in mm. the American church. Uh, we don't make time to actually um, spend with others. Yeah. And so we are catching each other in like mm-hmm. a maybe a five to 10 minute um, passing on yeah. a Sunday morning. Yeah. Um, and that's just really not the time to say, I mean, it can be the time. I hope that you would make it the time to say, hey, I, I confess something that's yeah. going on. Right. Um, pull aside and pray together. Uh, we just don't do that. We just don't do that very often. Yeah. Um, and so um, it really does mean having to probably sacrifice other things in our lives to make time for people. Yeah. That's really good. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, it, when you were talking, it was reminding me of when we were doing that foundations class and there was a new couple in our church yeah. and we were talking about kind of the like sinner saint dichotomy, you mm-hmm. know, this like that we're being sanctified in Christ, but at the same time, like we're wrestling with sin and mm-hmm. God's working those things out of us. And, and someone in the class held their hand up and they said, you know, why, why, if that's the case, do we not talk about our sin more. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, why are we not more open about it? Yeah. And so I'm with you, Ariel. I, I think I've, it, from my experience, every congregation I've been a part of, it's a problem. And I think you're probably right because church becomes this thing that we often just do in passing. You know, we sit, we listen to somebody, then we leave mm-hmm. and then we come back. You know, it do, we're not, we don't have the opportunity in the space mm-hmm. for that. And so we need to create that. Yeah. We need to create those deep relationships where we can do that with people. You know, um, I would, I, yeah. I didn't want to interrupt you, but I, no, w- I would say it. I would take it even a step further where, you know, we see how we are with appliances. When yeah. your appliance breaks, you just get rid of it. You get a new mm-hmm. one. They're made to last like maybe a year to three years now. Where, whereas <laughs> yeah. we had the same microwave growing up from like the year I was born it's until still, I it's graduated. Still it's still, <laughs> it was so big that we finally got rid of it. But uh, I think that's how we uh, we treat relationships now. We are such a cancel culture that once once someone has wronged us or we've seen them mess up, we're yeah. like, done, yeah. you're out, right. and, and we move on. And we aren't yeah, into right. restoring. And that's yeah. what God does for us. He restores. He's in the restoration business. And yeah. so yeah. we really need to so, walk that out. So I think the deep relationships are the solution. To answer kind of yeah. why is it that way, mm-hmm. you know, you said, well, we were, we were talking with students this week, and it's funny how our two messages really coincided well together. Yeah. We were talking about mental health, right, but right. we were looking at Romans 12, you know, do not be conformed by the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Yeah. Um, I think that why is it a problem is because there's so many of these outside voices that are speaking into the way that we understand ourselves and the way that we work and that we have to, you know, in the business place. And I, and I see it through my wife's experience. It's like, you got to look out for you, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. you're number one and you can't show any flaws or failures or any room, you know, to, you know, to need help or anything, because the moment you do that, you're going to be downcasted, you right. know, like you need to prove your capacity, your capability, and that's all you can show all yeah. the other stuff. There's no room for that mm-hmm. in the workplace. And so I think these, and, and again, for our high school students, they're experiencing this in like, as you were saying earlier, Chris, you know, God has a plan for our life, but sometimes we want God's plan for our life to line up with our plan for our life. Yeah. Well, all they're hearing all day long is how the moment you start school, your freshman year, your grades are going to impact what college you can go to and the decisions. And so they've got this, again, this 
pattern of the world that defines what success is, what getting into the school that you want, getting the scholarships you need, mm -hmm. that becomes the primary focus of their life. And then you're trying to work Christ in there on the side. Yeah. And you wonder why, you know, you're you're not being transformed to look more like Christ all the time because the patterns of this world are forming you more than you realize. Mm -hmm. And yeah. I so like I think that's the problem, but I think you're right. The solution is deep community with other believers that can call that out in your life when they see it, right? you know, that can right. say, Hey man, I've noticed that like, you're, you're really into work right now and you're not, you're not spending as much time focusing on your family and your life. And when was the last time that you opened your Bible and you stopped and prayed? It takes people to see that, yeah. to show you that you're being, you yeah. know, kind of conformed by the world. I'd say, you know, one of the, the coolest things a couple of years ago, I had a conversation with a, a new member here at the church about two mm -hmm. years ago. He came in and and he was like, "Hey, I, let's go to lunch." I'm like, "Cool, let's go." So we went to lunch and hung out. And in that lunch, he did these. He did two things that I thought were key to to helping to break this. He he boasted in his weaknesses mm. and he confessed some of his biggest sins to me. Wow! First time I've met the guy. Yeah. Right. I was like, "Whoa, that was awesome!" Like, really, really cool. And and what it showed me was he was not interested in a superficial relationship with me, mm -hmm. but that he wanted to bring me into his life yeah. in, a, in a very real way. And I'm like, man, that that is so cool. And it's something that our, our culture is just so bad at. Like yeah. we pretend so much all the time that we just have it all together. And maybe what we need to do more of is boast on our weaknesses, confess our sin. The last thing that I really want to get to here is how, because uh, Scott's second point here was that God's renewing presence really comes into Elijah's life. And here, you know, he brought up the idea that Elijah really needed to be rebuked. He needed to be corrected because of what was going on. But God was very gentle with him and very patient with him in the midst of all this. Yeah. And so um, he, he meets uh, a, a lot of his needs. He, so Scott brought out within this, he met his need of physical exhaustion, right? So he cooks mm -hmm. for him, right? <laughs> uh, which that's mm -hmm. a fascinating piece of that whole story. I'm just kind of like, how, what did that, what was that like? You know, mm -hmm. that's really interesting. Um, on another note with that though, I think it's a precursor to like the wedding feast, right? The, the, yeah. the, the wedding supper of the lamb and the banqueting table that God has in place for us, that he got a taste of that, mm -hmm. that day, which I thought was so neat. Well, and I, I don't want to cut you off there, but yeah. I also had the mental picture of, you know, after Jesus's death and disciples are fishing and they, you know, they can't yes. catch any fish. Yes. And then Jesus meets them there on the beach, preparing a meal for yeah. them. Yeah. At the end you of know? Yeah. yeah. He's like, he's, well, he's, breakfast. he's kind of like, it's like God is caring, you know, Jesus is caring for their physical needs yeah. while they're in this state of like, they just lost their best oh, friend. That's they're just, so good. Cause, you know. cause, cause in that moment, that's, the, that's the reinstatement yes. of Peter. And so there's mm -hmm. a, yeah. almost a reinstatement of Elijah. Yeah. Oh. So just something that I you think is a cool, just a cool, go, man. Very, well, you <laughs> started so it good. off and it triggered it in my brain. <laughs> yeah. So. That's so good. You can imagine those disciples are probably feeling like they're the only ones left too. Yeah. Yeah. And then you're having a bad day at work where you can't, yeah. nothing could go right. <laughs> like, what is happening? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Oh, cool. oh man. Good That's parallel. really good. Really good. So, and then the second thing was how God spoke to Elijah and, and how God isn't really helping him to understand um, that God's going to bring justice here where Elijah's like craving justice. He's like mm -hmm. wanting mm -hmm. him to be vindicated. He's like, don't worry. 
I'm going to do it. Mm-hmm. Don't, that, that belongs to me. And that, that's an important thing. And, and he did remind him there's 7,000 others who are faithful, haven't bowed the knee to, to Baal. So there's that. Um, and then God defends Elijah. And this is where <clears throat> he went to the idea of really the gospel. God hides Elijah in the cleft of the rock and there mm-hmm. he's, he's safe. Um, but what I think is, is so good about this is just the idea of God's patience and gentleness with us in the midst of our sin, of our rebellion, um, how, how patient he is with us. I know for me, I've experienced this kind of patience mm-hmm. from God in my own life. And I, I guess I'm just wondering, how have you experienced God's patience with you? I, I just, I, even more, you know, I was having a conversation with JC last night about how, how are we interpreting God moving some things in our life? And um, I just, the more, the older I get and the slow, the slow path to being wiser that I'm on, I notice God working more and more things out in me that I'm like, Oh, well, you know, I can recognize that, like, God, what you were doing here maybe wasn't about, you know, what I thought it was about, mm-hmm. but it was, it was for my own, um, kind of edification, you know? And, yeah. and I think I've, I think that's kind of like recognizing that God has a plan that he's going to accomplish. Um, and I get to some, I get to take part in that. Like I'm a piece of that, but God is, also growing me and working things out of me along the way. And so God's using me, um, God's working, you know, but God's also like working for me in that. And so I think I just, I do recognize over time, I'm like, man, in that moment, like, you know, I was really operating out of my own confidence and God worked and that was great. But I look back now and now God's humbled me and, you know, and I go, man, I'm so thankful that like, he didn't just cast me to the side when my motivation maybe was like yeah. my own personal fulfillment. Yeah. And I think I just experienced that more and more, you know, and it kind of brings you to what I think is the ultimate goal is just to place a piece that you're not being rocked by all the circumstances, yeah. you know? And well, so that's, yeah. I don't know. I noticed and, that. And for me too, it's, it's bring me back to this place of dependency. Yes. Like, like I'm, I'm not, I'm not self-sufficient. Mm-hmm. You know, we've talked about the word aseity. I'm not essay. Mm-hmm. you know, I, I am, utterly dependent on God for all things at the end of the day. And, um, and I told you, I, I've mentioned this before, but like one of the things that is the most edifying for me in this is having the time hop app on my phone that. where I see things <laughs> that I've posted in the past. Yeah, yes. yeah. And for sometimes I see things and I can, I can understand and have perspective about where I was at in that moment mm-hmm. and where I'm at now. And I go, Holy cow, God, like I recognize now how my posture there was not holy, was not worshipful for even in small things, you know, like a 17 year old kid who's posting that he's going to work out all the time because he wants people to think that like, he's, I don't know, physically fit or something like as small as that to big things, you know, where I made a post about, you know, parenting as I was a youth pastor and I really just wanted our parents to step up their game. You know, but it wasn't, it wasn't in a God honoring way. Mm. I can look back at those things now and I can see, oh my God, I mean, I'm so thankful you took me from here to there. Yeah. And what were people doing? Like, why was the leadership of that church allowing me to run that event when I was in that place? And, you know, and you just know that, dude, yeah, yeah, that's what I think I've experienced. I've experienced, I know that like time hop's not a spiritual app, but it does that for me because I look back and that's one of the reasons I don't get rid of it is because I go, man, like. God has really grown you from here to there. And I don't mean it in a confident way. I'm almost like, I'm so glad nobody else sees 
that post. <laughs> you yeah, know. Look how big of a schmo I was. Well, they're not then. even yeah. inappro- they're not even inappropriate. They're subtle things, yeah, but yeah. you 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 see, I, you see your growth. I think you see yeah. those things. Well, it, and that's actually uh, the Apostle Paul talks about that in Second Timothy because uh, he's giving he's giving Timothy some encouragement, and at the end of his letter, he's like, "Hey, listen, um, yeah," and I I don't know where the verse is, but he does say um, that that they should your church should see your growth. Like, mm-hmm. like, and that's one of the ways that one, one of the marks of a good pastor is that you are constantly growing in what you're doing and things like that. I was like, oh, that's really cool. So anyway, but you get to see that through time. Yeah. Out. And I mean, it. I'm <laughs> talking about it from the humbling posture. Like <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm yeah. normally like, goodness, I'm so glad that people did like, that's not something everybody sees. You yeah. Know? Yeah. yeah. No, I agree. I, you said all the things that I was, that I would say, and then I was thinking too that God just shows His patience through other people and how mm-hmm. patient they are with me in those same ways. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> just walking it out and like yeah. I think, wow, I still have the same friends and the same family that love me, even though I was like that. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I, it's, it's funny you still. say that, and I, this is a shout out to him, and I don't even know if he listens to these, but like, I, I, Dave Whitehead is often that for me. Like I will throw something up on them and then I'll come back a few weeks later and I'm like, Hey man, sorry for like, just puking on you that on you. <laughs> and he's always like, no, thank you. I want to know this, but then he'll also validate growth. I, it's just funny. Yeah. Like That's great. you have yeah. those, like you said, you have those people in your life that like, they're going to, they're going to be there for you, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. no matter what the state you're in, but they do often at the end of the day, they'll come back and be like, yeah, I really don't know if you were in the healthiest spot there. And I, my mom does this all the time. I really was praying for you after that conversation. Yeah. You know, and I'm like, and then she'll tell you later, like, I'm so glad that God work that out, you know, yeah, and yeah. we need for, those people. Absolutely. For me, and just to be vulnerable with you guys on this and everybody that's listening to this in the world, um, but uh, for me, the the biggest thing where I've seen God's patience is actually in my marriage. Mm. I think, I think there were, so there was a period of time where I, there were things that I had like definite like expectations on my wife for how mm. the marriage should go, mm-hmm. how things should be taken care of in the home and all that sort of stuff that I was getting so frustrated over and over again, just so frustrated with how things were going that it was like wrecking me. It was mm-hmm. just wrecking me. And it wrecked our marriage in a lot of ways and just mm-hmm. just messed a lot of stuff up. And I think for me, what I had to come back to was recognizing, actually what, what it was was recognizing that God had made Erica to be exactly mm-hmm. who she is and that who she is is actually the perfect person for me mm-hmm. yeah. in in our life and in our ministry together. Mm-hmm. And I was not seeing those things mm-hmm. because I was so fixated on, I want it to be this way, you know? Um, yeah. And the reality of that kind of that switch absolutely cha- transformed the way that I viewed my marriage to where, mm. so we, we celebrated our 18th anniversary yeah, last night. Congrats. congrats. Thanks. And, and Peyton Manning year. Hey. You know that is, you know, <laughs> That's so weird. Yeah. One day I'll learn who Peyton Manning is. <laughs> but, uh, but, but the thing that I reflect on the most, especially over these last few years is how grateful I am that I have her in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, because she really is the perfect partner for me in mm-hmm. ministry and, and, and our family together. Sweet. Well, and it, it, I think you're right. It's, it's marriage is such a good parallel of, 
I mean, even how we're working out our relationship with Christ and with God in the sense of like you get married and I think, and I'm closer to the front end than y'all, but it's like you get married and your primary focus is like, we're doing this because we love each other so deeply and it's for mutual fulfillment. Mm -hmm. You don't think about like the mutual edification (laughs) until you're like in the weeds of it. But then you recognize the sanctification of it. Yeah. And you don't, you like, that's not like, I don't think most people are like, I'm getting married because I want to be sanctified and this is the best. Right. To do right. It. I want to see I my wait. flaws up close. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> really magnify them like, for me. People tell you that, but it just kind of bounces off your ears. Yeah. But then when you're in the weeds and then you start to get to a window where, you know, you get a, you know, you get a few years in and it keeps progressing and you go, Oh, this is for my benefit, mm-hmm. but in my growth towards Christ, mm-hmm. even more so it's for my fulfill, like my, my mutual fulfillment. Yeah. You know? I don't know. It's, I, I think it is. And that's kind of what your relationship with God's Absolutely. like often. And it's, he's so patient with yeah, us. It's yeah. for your, it's for your growth. It's, yeah. it's for your benefit. But sometimes we start from the beginning being like, this is the, this is for fulfillment, you yeah. know? Yeah. yeah. Well, well, well guys. I just suddenly feel so much closer to you guys as we had a kumbaya <laughs> moment. <laughs> Sweet. Well, and I think that's part of what we were talking about, right? Like, I mean, these are sort of the conversations that we need to be having with one another more and more often. Um, So, you know, if you're out there, you're listening to this conversation, you're like, you know, I need to have a conversation Mm -hmm. with somebody about this. Um, Maybe give us a call. We would love to talk with you about those things. Talk to talk to your brothers and sisters in Christ, to the you know friends from church. I mean, these are the conversations we need to be having with one another. Absolutely. So, and we won't record them and put them on air. Absolutely. Well, not not all of them. (laughs) Not all. Just ours. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah. Well, hey, thanks for listening today. We're so glad you joined us uh, for the return of the Sunday recap. Uh, And uh, hopefully you haven't given up on us and deleted the app. So, um, but uh, thanks so much for listening today. And uh, we'll be back next week. We promise. We'll uh, (laughs) we'll be back next week. Lord willing. Don't ever say Uh, that. Listen to James. That's right. Lord willing. (laughs) Uh, We'll be back next week uh, talking about the next section here. And we're going to be getting into the life of Elisha next week. So that we got that to look forward to. So we'll see you next time on the Sunday Recap.